Welcome to the Flint Catholic Podcast. My name is Father Tony Smila. And I'm Michael Hasso. Today we're talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's a phrase that maybe a lot of us have heard. Uh, maybe a lot of us are very familiar with it. Maybe a lot of us are not so familiar with it. And maybe some of us are like, I don't know what that is and I don't really, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with something like that. Yeah. Um, so... We may think we know what that is, but so today we really want to dive in into that concept. What does it mean? Uh, what does that phrase mean? Baptism of the Holy Spirit, and and what does that um, what does that mean for us as as a as a Christian community? Um, so, what is baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, so I would say, you know, it's one of those things where it's like it almost. I think it can scare Catholics away in particular because it's like, you know, you want. It's not something that's a normal part of our language, right? Right. You know, but in reality, it is. It's like, as we go back to Scripture, as we really get rooted in Scripture, it's it really is all over the Scriptures. Yeah. Um, and in fact, our popes have been talking about it. So I have a great quote here, and this is from uh, Pope Benedict XVI, who said, Christ's entire mission is summed up in this, to baptize us in the Holy Spirit to free us from the slavery of death, and to open heaven to us. Pope Benedict said that? Yeah. Right? That's... Yeah, I know. And <laughs> I was I was just going to read it and ask, you know, who do you think this might be? But I know you had seen it before. <laughs> right. Father Matthias, maybe? Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, that's, um, it's, and he's not talking about just, the regular baptism, like our first baptism. He's not talking about our first baptism. He's talking about a baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's something very different. Um, so I really want to make sure we're, we're not talking about um, the water baptism, which is absolutely yeah. essential and important, and we're not saying it's not. Um, but the baptism in the Holy Spirit is something different. And um, Yeah, and, you know, something I'll add there, too, is that this isn't something that competes with water baptism. Correct. Um, Correct. It's really an entirely different thing, but it unlock it unlocks a lot of the fruits yeah. of water baptism, and in fact, it's the church even teaches that the sacraments without the faith to activate the grace in those sacraments Correct. is worthless. Right. Like there's there's no fruit to sacraments without faith. So what it sounds like to me. Um, you know, if, if I had never heard of baptism in the Holy Spirit, it sounds like what you're describing is actually confirmation, right? Isn't that what confirmation does? <laughs> well, there there is a certain um, there is a certain uh, comparison yeah. that could be made. Uh, for one thing, we we definitely do receive the Holy Spirit at baptism. Mm -hmm. Objectively, yep. we we receive that grace, and then it we do receive more of the Holy Spirit at confirmation. Correct. But we can still receive those sacraments and have access to that grace, but never use that grace. Correct. Uh, yes. For instance, if we don't, if we don't have the faith, for instance, to realize that our baptism is what gives us the grace to be saved, to get into heaven, well, then, you know, if we don't, if we don't know that we have that, if we don't have the faith for that, then it's like, you know, you have the gift that hasn't been unwrapped, yes. so to speak. Yeah. And, and I think that's a great way to, to put it is that um, the, the sacraments are essential for us. Uh, baptism and confirmation, both essential for this to happen. Um, but then 
when 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 we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's a that's an activation that's happening in that. It's it's an unleashing of those graces that we were given in those moments. It's finally our our lives have led to a point where we can finally say, "Okay, Lord, let's do this." Yes, and I love that word that you just used, activation. It's an activation of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this really goes back to the word baptism itself. What does the word baptism mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, Father Tony, but I hadn't heard this until relatively recently. Um, the yeah. word baptism actually, prior to Christianity, we're saying, so prior to the time of Jesus, the word baptism was first found in Greek writings, and it was used in a recipe for making pickles. What? Yeah. A recipe for making pickles. So you would... What? Yeah. (laughs) I know. It's really crazy, but... It, but it's also a very helpful analogy too, because okay, I'm I'm interested now. There's food, there's food analogies. I'm I know, interested. I know, and I I do particularly like pickles too, which is maybe why this uh, this analogy really resonates with me. All right, let's hear it. So what would happen is in this recipe, this ancient Greek recipe, you would take the cucumber and you would baptizo oh my gosh the cucumber into the brine (laughs) so what happens is you take a cucumber and it's baptizoed and it comes out a new creation it's no longer a cucumber it's now a pickle and so in the same way baptism whether water baptism or in this case baptism in the holy spirit when we receive baptism in the holy spirit there is a permanent change we are now a new creation. It, I mean, it's like St. Paul's theology of baptism. Like if you read Romans, it's like, it just kind of jumps off the page when you think about it in those terms. It's like, wow, he was probably like making pickles one day and he like wrote out his theology (laughs) on baptism. That's amazing. (laughs) So I know you're never, you're never supposed to do this in like radio or podcast, but it's 8.35 AM. I am not going to hear anything better the rest of the day yeah that is like that's that's the best thing i've heard all day and i don't think it's going to be topped all day that's yeah. amazing i love it yeah i i love it too i i just keep going back to it in fact sometimes <laughs> i've even taken this to prayer before where i'm just like thinking about like wow i am a pickle in the holy spirit i i have been <laughs> proven wrong that is now the best thing i've heard all day i am a pickle of the holy spirit wow take that deep prayer right there i'm a pickle of the holy spirit yeah so so that's what the word baptism means so what are the how do we know if we've been baptized in the holy spirit like what separates that off what are the effects of the baptism of the holy spirit yeah so well i would say the first thing is that we're freed from fear but i'll qualify that we're freed from fear to do the mission of evangelization so it's like those moments when you're um, when you're maybe feeling prompted to speak to that friend, that family member, or you know that person that you met in a store, and and this fear comes over you. Baptism in the Holy Spirit actually overcomes that. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's an important distinction to make. Is that it's not that the fear no longer exists, right? We're always going to have fear, just part of being us, right? We're always going to have some level of fear, yeah. but. The fear being overcome. Yeah. And so we, we, we're not to wait until we're no longer afraid. 
Yeah. Because that'll never happen. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit comes in and boom, you're given that energy and all of a sudden that fear is, is overcome. It's still there, but uh, but you're able to, to keep going on. It's kind of like with Frodo in the ring, right? He was afraid to take that thing into Mordor, but he kept going. Yep. Fear was overcome. Yep. And then the second effect is it stirs up the spiritual gifts that we need to evangelize. So it's like in in the Catholic Church, we refer to these as charisms. Mm-hmm. Um, in Protestant denominations, they're simply just referred to as the spiritual gifts, yeah. usually. So um, what are the spiritual gifts? And, and does this mean I'm going to have to be a weirdy Catholic? Yes. It, oh, no, I'm just no. joking. <laughs> I'm already weird enough. <laughs> So what, what do we mean, what do we mean by charisms and spiritual gifts? So charisms or spiritual gifts are supernatural gifts that allow us to do something that we couldn't do naturally speaking. Yeah. Um, now I will qualify this by saying this isn't just miraculous things like a physical healing or you know I don't know levitation or you know whatever. The the superpower I've always wanted is by location. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. That that would be really awesome and really useful, too. Yeah, I could do work with one and play video games with the other. Yep. I mean, yep. some people would probably work with both, but no, video games with the other for me. Yep. But it's <laughs> but it's more than those kind of gifts. So yeah, it, so it's like prophecy, so it, words of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's things like prophecy where you can or, you know, I'll I'll even take something that could appear a little bit more natural, um, like words of wisdom. You know, I don't I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, Father Tony, but I've had this many times where maybe I was in in a difficult situation. I didn't know what to do. And somebody was maybe praying with me or even just speaking to me in a conversation. And they gave me a word of wisdom that was just clearly from God of what I needed to do next. Like, There's no way you could have known what you were saying. Yeah. Except from God. Exactly. And so that's a great example of a very useful spiritual gift. Mm-hmm. Another one that can seem very natural is administration. Yep. But people that have a, a charism or a supernatural gift for administration can do things above and beyond what their natural ability would allow. Right. It can, you know, for instance, in ministry, we see this all the time. Like, you know, look at how helpful our secretaries or or different administrative administrative people are it just you know it can really take ministry to the next level and it can allow a lot of um a lot of the natural challenges that might come up to just be non-existent it's just like you know i my wife has this which i am so blessed lucky because that means i don't have to administrate nearly as much (laughs) (laughs) but because of this, it's like you'll be maybe hosting an event or something like that, and there will just be, and things just flow so much smoother. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, this must be from God. Yeah. But people can think of it as very natural. That's right. But that's actually a gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Another one that I think makes a big difference is teaching. Yeah. yeah teaching's a really good one. I've, you know, we've all had those teachers that, that clearly don't have the gift of teaching. Yeah. And they just kind of like drone on, and you're just like, I think the clock is moving backwards. and um, But when you have a, a, a class with a teacher who um, actually has the charism of teaching, like you're just enthralled and you're, you're like able to soak in the information so easily, so well. 
um, I had a few teachers like that in, uh, in seminary. And the first thing I always wanted to do after the class was go right to the chapel and pray about what I just heard. It's incredible. I'm like, wow, that was so good what I just heard. And they, they were able to teach in a way that was uh, easy to be understood by even someone like me. And, uh, and it made a big difference. So teaching is another one that not necessarily would be seen as, you know, super, supernatural, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to go back to your question, too, of when you asked, you know, do I have to be weird now? No. In fact, you shouldn't be. You know, I, I would say uh, being weird is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. Correct. And Correct. so it's like even these more supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit, like, you know, let's say some of the saints that we know of that levitated or stuff like that. You know, they weren't just in natural conversations and like, hey, did you know I levitate? Yeah, or, right. You know. Look at me. It's like we we don't have any recorded conversations of, of these saints, you know, sort of like just being weird. They were, they were just normal people yeah. who allowed the grace of the Holy Spirit to flow through them yep. in normal supernatural ways i hope that's not contradictory no, it, but totally, totally so like um perhaps a, an example an example that i've seen in my own life is uh the gift of healing right and so um it's it's not weird at all like somebody comes up and they say hey uh i i'm i need healing for this or whatever it is you know my my back hurts or um well actually i'll use the example that was used that that happened to me personally um uh, about a year, year and a half ago, um, I re-injured my ankle and I was so mad. I had, so I had surgery on the ankle, repaired it. It was great. And then I hurt it again. And, um, I'm in this boot and I go to, uh, a couple weeks later, I go to be love revolution, which is, uh, Debbie Herbeck, um, it's for high school girls in, uh, in Ann Arbor and, uh, I'm doing adoration for them. And, uh, so I'm standing in the back. Um, we just exposed Jesus and, uh, we're doing praise and worship and, you know, I'm kind of, that you can see my boot um, under my uh, uh, under my alb, um, you know, boots kind of stick out pretty easily. And uh, so we're doing praise and worship for a while. And one of the girls comes up to me and she says, hey, I notice you're in a boot. Do you mind if I pray over it? I'm like, sure, go ahead. Uh, she started praying. She's probably praying for healing. And all of a sudden that that throbbing kind of just it wasn't a, a strong pain, but just kind of a throbbing. Hey, my ankles hurt and I'm going to let you know that all day long. Um, that throbbing went away. I'm like, okay, all right. I've, I've heard that this can happen. Right. Um, and, uh, so, but you know, I want to test, I want to make sure it's not my own brain playing tricks on me saying, oh, I want this to be healed. Right. So I'm testing it and, and I'm like starting to like move it around and like move the joint around and I'm still not feeling any pain. And, and so she finished and I said, thank you. And we, uh, we just kept doing praise and worship. And by the end of the night, like there was no pain at all, completely gone. And, um, my ankle was healed in that moment. And I didn't wow. wear it after, after I went home cause I could not wait to get home to be like, all right, I want to take my boot off and see like if I can walk around on my, on my foot without, it. I hadn't been able to do that in weeks. So I get home, take the boot off and I'm able to walk around. I didn't put the boot on after that. The boot wow. was done after that. It was pretty, it was really incredible. And that's awesome. And, and it didn't have to be weird, right? She just yeah. said, Hey, can I, can I pray over that ankle? 
Yeah. Um, and sure. And it wasn't, you know, this extraordinary prayer. It was just very humble. Hey, Lord, um, we're, we're here and asking for your, your grace, your power and your Holy Spirit. And we ask you to heal this. And that's it. Yeah. And it was healed. And uh, it was uh, not weird at all. And yeah. that's something that can be very normal in the life of, of us and the life of the Christian and the Catholic. Just, hey, see something's going on? Let's pray. Let's just pray right now and do that. Yeah. Yeah, really, you know, how the person handles the use of their spiritual gifts can make all the difference Absolutely. in how they share their gifts. Absolutely. Even something that might be outside of your comfort zone can v- feel very, uh, very natural in, you know, when it's done in the right way. Correct. So now next, the next effect of baptism in the Holy Spirit, it empowers us with the same spirit that Jesus has so that we can do what he did. So hopefully you've noticed Mm -hmm. in the last uh, three effects of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, all of them mentioned the purpose. Mm-hmm. First, it was to do the mission of evangelization. And then with the spiritual gifts, they're in order to evangelize. And now we receive the same spirit that Jesus received in order to do what he did. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm getting at is baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is for, it's for us, but not just for us. Yeah. You know, it it helps us to live the life that Jesus lived, but it ultimately empowers us to go out and to bring others into the kingdom of God. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what we're here to do. You know, once, once, you know, uh, we're given that, that gift, that gift is not meant to be kept by ourselves. And we're not meant to even within, keep it within the four walls of the church. It's meant to go out to the world. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember, too, is that the life of a disciple is really impossible, naturally speaking. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it's not just like, oh, well, you know, if I, if I build really good disciple habits, if I, right. you know, eliminate these sins or, or whatever, you know, I can push through. I can, right. I can make it to the finish line and get to heaven all by myself. Yeah, no. 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 <laughs> no. It's like, it really is impossible without the Holy Spirit. It enables us to be a disciple and therefore by being a disciple to go out. That's right. Um, the next effect is it unlocks supernatural ministry. The key word there is ministry. And I would add here too, that all ministry is supernatural. If it, if, if the ministry that you're doing, whether to friends and family or, you know, in a volunteer position at your parish or, or maybe you work in ministry. If it's not supernatural, it's not ministry. And that's like all ministry. So even like if you're a hospitality greeter at the front door, right, that's a supernatural ministry. Yeah. Like if you're really trying to um, welcome people, not just to a building, but into a relationship, you know, even, you know, a hospitality worker at a minister at the at the front of the church doors is so important and needs to be supernatural ministry. Yeah. That's not just a natural ministry of welcoming people and showing them where the empty pews are, but it's you're inviting them into a radical relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, just imagine if, you know, 
every greeter, let's say, at a parish, I'm just throwing one gift out, not that this is any right. better than the others, right. but imagine if every greeter at all of our local parishes had people that had a charism for encouragement. Yeah, right? Wow. That would be, I mean, that would be a really special place to walk into. You would feel like you were being welcomed by the Holy Spirit yep. into this place. Yeah. So, and then our final effect of the Holy Spirit, it unites us with our Father and teaches us how to pray in the Holy Spirit. I like that. Teaches us how to pray in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So I, th- I think so oftentimes we can struggle to pray and we need the Holy Spirit to yeah. help us with that. Yeah. And I would say the first part's important too. It unites us with well, our sure. Father in that. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, that's not important. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. But I think there's a difference here, though, between like what happens in water baptism versus what hap- happens with baptism in the Holy Spirit. Both were reunited with our Heavenly Father. But I think, um, you know, it's like we say that Adam and Eve, through original sin, broke that relationship with God. And it's when Jesus came back through the Incarnation um, that he restores that relationship, and we're able to enter into that through water baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we that relationship can be restored, but we can still maybe not have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Right. And so those are, I would say, two different things, where it's like we can have a restored relationship and still not talk to him, Right. for instance. Um, so that's important. And through that, it's like, we're taught how to pray. And that's, that's really a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so we've gone through all the effects of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, not all of them, but the ones, you know, I think the five main ones. Um, so how are we baptized in the Holy Spirit? Um, what, what is that? Like, what, what does it mean uh, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I think the answer is that radical surrender is necessary to get there. Absolute radical surrender. Oftentimes you hear like stories of people who, uh, when they talk about their own baptism in the Holy Spirit, that first time they were baptized, they were like at rock bottom. They had to just say, all right, Lord, I can't do this anymore myself. I need you. And you're, you're the only one who's going to get me out of this mess. And then boom, that's when the Holy Spirit's able to be like, yep, here we go. Boom. So it needs a total radical surrender that you're willing to give everything up for this, that you're saying, I don't care what happens. I need you, Lord. And I think that's the hardest part is to get to the place of radical surrender because we like our things. We like our comforts and we like the things that, that, you know, perhaps could keep us from that total surrender. We think we can do it ourselves. And I think that's the biggest one is control. I can do this myself. You know, if I just pray all these devotions every day, then I should be fine, right? Yeah. But that's not the case. It's not the case. Radical surrender is necessary for this. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we need to be able to just give ourselves totally to the Lord. Yeah, and I think it, it's important to know, too, is that, um, you know, a lot of people can think of these moments of conversion or baptism in the Holy Spirit as, like, you know, a one-time thing, that right. sort of St. Augustine moment, I guess you might say, where he, like, left everything behind to then follow Jesus. And it's yeah. not just a one-time event. Right. 
And I, I would say, actually, St. Augustine's a very good example of that because we, yeah. we can often see that, that moment of conversion. Um, but it wasn't. It took years yeah. for him to yeah. get to that place. He was over and over wrestling with these things. And, and even after he re- recognized the truth of the Christian faith, he still struggled uh, with st- sin. He still struggled to, to do this. And it took years for him to be able to finally totally surrender to the Lord and, and to, to be the saint that we know him to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so even if maybe you've already experienced baptism in the Holy Spirit, this is, it's a process of continual surrender. Absolutely. So it's like maybe you, maybe you made that big first moment of surrender, but there is always new things that we need to be surrendering to the Lord. Maybe it's a situation, a relationship, uh, you know, whatever the case might be. We can receive more of the Holy Spirit. There is always more. We yeah. have an infinite God, and so we can receive infinitely more. That's right. That's right. And so, really, um, the how-to is asking the Lord to allow us to radically surrender to Him. Lord, help me to do this. I, I don't know if I can right now. I don't know if I'm able to give um, you everything. I, I, I desire to desire Right, so we got a desire to desire, bring that to him in prayer, and beg him for for that grace to be able to do that. And then we just keep asking for more of the Holy Spirit. Keep asking, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit into me. Pour yourself into me, and he'll do, he'll do that. He will absolutely do that. Yeah, and I have a really great quote here from Saint Ambrose. I love this quote, and this is really his description of not only the effects of baptism of, of the Holy Spirit, but just you know, hopefully this this shows his great desire for baptism in the Holy Spirit. He says, Every time you drink, you receive the remission of sins, and you become intoxicated with the Spirit. It is in that sense that the Apostle said, Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He who becomes intoxicated with wine staggers, but he who becomes intoxicated with the Holy Spirit is rooted in Christ. How truly ex- excellent is this intoxication, which produces the sobriety of the soul. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so good. It, I, and I loved what he said there too of how he quoted Saint Paul. He said, "Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit." Almost as if. Um, it, it almost seems like St. Paul is suggesting that some of the outward effects might seem almost as crazy as seeing, you know, a drunk person. Right. You know, if we like if we look at Acts of the Apostles with Peter and the Apostles, yeah. everyone assumed These they were drunk. drunk. Yeah. yeah. No, it's only 9 a.m. Yep. But instead of surrendering to our base passions, we're surrendering to the God of heaven and earth. Yeah. And that's that's the big difference. Uh, Father um, Consul Mesa, the papal preacher, he writes this book called Sober Intoxication of the Holy Spirit. I love that title. And I love that book if you have a chance to read it. Um, I think there's two of them. Uh, Sober Intoxication of the Holy Spirit. Such a good concept. And of course, um, all of this needs to be done um, not out of a um, context of, you know, I want to do all these cool things and I want to be, you know, this awesome dude, but it's got to be done out of love. Like love has to be the bedrock of everything we do. Of course we say this all the time, um, but it's always good and bears repeating that, um, 
love must be the focus of all of this love for all of those around us to get to heaven one day. I mean, that's, that's the whole goal. That's why we do this is so that, that, um, we may get to heaven and that we can bring as many people as possible with us. And St. Paul talks about that in his first letter to the Corinthians. Yeah. I, I love this quote too. And I think it's easily forgotten that he's actually speaking about the spiritual gifts when he says this. Right. And it's, it's such a famous quote. He says, if I speak in human and angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal. Yeah. That's first Corinthians 13. It's normally read at weddings. Yep. And often all people hear is the word love and it, it is right. very important. But in the context, what St. Paul is saying in this section of 1 Corinthians, he's talking all about the spiritual gifts. And he's saying as good as, uh, you know, wisdom or as good as, you know, discernment or administration or any, any number of other gifts are as good as they are, they'll all pass away when we get to heaven and all that remains is love. All that remains is love. And that's, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? It's all about love. As my uh, seminary professor, my the, uh, uh, Trinity professor from the Bronx used to say, it's all about love. He was so good about it. He's right. It's all about love. Hey, everybody, just one announcement today. Do you guys remember Dorothy's House of Coffee uh, over on the uh, the west side of uh, downtown Flint? Well, we're getting ready to reopen Dorothy's House of Coffee. So I'm really excited. Uh, the interior's all revamped. Uh, the What we're offering is, in terms of coffee is totally revamped. We're introducing some food items, uh, crepes in particular. I'm really looking forward to that. I've actually tasted some of those crepes. Oh, my goodness. They're so, so Good. So please visit dorothys.cafe for the most up-to-date information. That's dorothys.cafe, and we hope to see you there soon. Welcome back to the Flint Catholic Podcast. My name is Father Tony Smila, and I'm here joined today by Rafi Urhino, the Director of Religious Education and Evangelization for Holy Redeemer Catholic Church in Burton. Welcome to the program. I'm glad to be here. It's kind of surreal, actually, talking to you. So why is that? Because I knew you as a punk kid. Oh, boy. Although, you, you know, you look like it a little bit more because you're... You haven't been cutting your hair. No, it's been, a, much it's been a while. So my hair is actually close to what it was when we first met. Yes, it's apart from the beard. Apart so, from the beard. Apart from the beard, that's right. I got to hide all my chins. <laughs> I mean, that's that's why I grow the beard. Now, is Man. my secret out now? Yes. So. All to our tens of listeners. So it's good to be here. Thank it's you. It's so cool. Yeah, for it's, for it's several fun. reasons. Different reasons. So I'm, I'm also glad that you mentioned that I was a punk kid, assuming that like I'm no longer a punk kid. Is that is that what you're insinuating? Um, I don't know. Cause my, so uh, my son Pax is in your class. That's correct. He loves it. And he told me yesterday that you said that you were going to have a test. You might have a test. It depends on... On, on your video game playing with your brother. <laughs> he said, Father Tony said, we'll, we'll do this if 
he doesn't play video so games. It was, I was going to grade their tests and have it back to them. Okay, that's um, what it was, yes. Assuming I wasn't going to play video games with my brother that night. And I played video games with my brother that night, so they didn't get their test back. They, I don't think they wanted to get their test back, to be honest. I, you know, he loves he loves your class. He says you go you go on tangents. Hard mm-hmm. to imagine. Hard I to imagine know, that right. you do that. But yeah. um, but it's it's interesting. Yeah. And he loves it. So well, I mean, what can be more interesting than you know the capital T truth, right? Yes. Just diving into scripture, capital G T truth. It's so good. There's so much there. I don't think people realize that. And I guess they get they they they're able to suck you into whatever topic they really. Yeah, well, they're very good at that. But. <laughs> When they ask a question, I'm like, dang, that's a good question. I, I want to answer that. And that's when they're ready to hear. You could that's spend right. 30 minutes trying to teach whatever you wanted to teach, that's and right. they won't learn that. But this they want to learn, and they'll learn that. That's right. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so right now I'm looking at my like the things I have to teach, and I'm looking at how many weeks are left in the in the semester, and I'm going, oh, this is going to, oh, boy. <laughs> I'm, we're just finishing the synoptic gospels in the New Testament, and i got to get through John. Acts, all the letters of Paul, all the other letters, Revelation. Yikes. Hmm. It'll be fun, though. We'll see if it actually works. I got through the whole Old Testament last semester, so if I could do that, I think I can do this. Well, we'll pray. <laughs> so we're catching up a little bit, but catch the, the listeners up on uh, who are you and how did you get to this place? How long is this segment? Anyway, oh. oh, boy. No, no so <laughs> uh, I grew up in the Philippines. And so I, um, there's, there is an interesting connection. Um, I, I found my faith through a ministry in the Philippines called uh, Christ Youth in Action, which was run by the servants of the word here in Ann Arbor. Oh, wow. So they have a house in the Philippines. And so they run all these college groups. And um, my parents knew uh, one of the guys who eventually, anyway, just long story, but he, um, I got invited. And so that's where I found my faith. And it just changed my life. Like uh, I was, I was studying architecture. I wanted to be this big time, you know, architect. And then, but God had different plans. No pun intended. <laughs> and I uh, wanted me to build something else. And I became really involved in college. I got, I then got into this youth movement um, in the Philippines called uh, Youth for Christ, and did that for ten years there. That's where I found. That's where I met. Uh, my my wife Josette, we served together, and after ten years of that, we just felt m- that we had to move, and so we moved here to the states, uh, moved to Virginia, did campus ministry there, um, and then um, went to study, went to Franciscan to finally actually get <laughs> <laughs> to finally actually know about what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. and um, and it was there that I got a. That I found uh, an ad that on my last semester to uh, this church in Swartz Creek, uh, Michigan, with like uh, for a director of evangelization position. That's why, I, that's how I got. That's how I moved here. Yeah. Um, I remember moving here and people going. I remember showing my ID because I still had uh, an Ohio license, and they're like, "You're moving into, the Flint. Everyone's moving out." Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and so, so there, and then, and then to a Holy Redeemer. So. Do you remember that uh, the interview you had at uh, Swartz Creek? You know that <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, yeah, like, th- 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 a group of sketchy people. Yeah, I yeah. think you're right. Yeah, but note to school. So Father Steve Matson, uh, it's the only interview process like that that I've ever seen. So when I, when I sent him his my my resume, he calls me first and he says, um, before we even talk, let me give you my testimony. 
And so he started to tell me about how he had left the church, came back, became a priest, and that fired me up. And then he asked me to come. So the interview process was to give a talk. He said, can you give a talk to some of my parishioners? And I, and I get there, and it, it was a, a, just a cross-section of the parish, some older folks, some, some men, some women, some, some students. Some punk kids. Yeah, and there were, there were a couple, uh, I can't remember, I know you were there. I, I know, was. Um, oh my gosh. Anyway, but, uh, <laughs> and, and that was good. And, and I sang a song, because I I, I'll do that when I, when I give talks. And you came up to me, and you're like, you're interested, and I, you know, kind of, I think I was trying to give you some musical points, you know, and then, and then I finally see you play like, oh my gosh, he's an actual musician. <laughs> So, so that was cool, and then yeah. and then we got to work together, like yeah. the, the Newman Center here in Flint, yep. um, car rides with you, trying to brainstorm and how to reach people. So, uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, we worked together for at least a year and a half, maybe more. <laughs> yeah. And then I then I did a thing called entering seminary, and yeah, that's when we ended. So so what so after you um, worked at Swartz Creek, what happened after that? So. Um, y- it's interesting, like the way God has like led me, He'll close the door. So I think when when Father Steve left, my vision and and the, you know it just kind of changed a little bit, and I was almost like blind to it for a while. And then it, it's all the best way I can describe it is, um, because we were doing something at some things at at, at St. Mary's, and obviously when when a pastor leaves, the, the vision changes, and yep. so. I was still trying to push those things, almost like making it like mine. But a door would close, a door would close. Uh, I almost like felt like a, you know one of those um, mice in in a, in a maze, mm-hmm. and then a, and and then this wall would close, and I I I go back and forth, and then finally I get to like a precipice, and then I feel like the Lord saying jump, <laughs> and that's and that was the jump into Holy Redeemer. So um, which was when was that? Two thousand fourteen. Wow, so it's so, been a while. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I've actually been at Holy Redeemer now longer than than mm-hmm. St. Mary's, and I thought I would stay at St. Mary's forever. So, again, make your plans, right? Yeah, I mean, right? You never know. So, I'm, I'm hoping Holy Redeemer will be longer. Uh huh. <laughs> we'll see what the Lord will do. But uh, yeah, it was cool. And it, just an interesting point, uh, if I can just share. I remember when when I was at Franciscan, uh, wanting to know what to do. I thought I was going to teach. I thought. Uh, I was doing youth ministry for a while, and the late nights and the retreats were starting to be difficult. And so I thought, if I go get a, a degree, if I get my master's, I can teach. You know? And so I was starting to get discouraged because no one wanted to hire me because I didn't have any teaching experience. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, but I remember praying, going to Mass one time, I remember a friend of mine saying, do a novena. Uh, this is novena that Padre Pio would recommend. So do this novena to the Sacred Heart. Um, it it just uh, does wonders to, to clear your heart and mind and open doors. And so I started the novena on the second day because whenever I'd, I'd apply, I'd always look for teaching positions. And I remember a praying and then a- asking God, God, I'm gonna, I can do all these things. I, I almost like it's almost like I was presenting my projects to God, like. Mm-hmm. Um, I could do this. I could do this for you. Just, just be part of my, be part of my team, God, and and we'll do amazing things. Uh-huh. And I went to this mass, like second day of that novena, and I felt like God said, "I don't want to be part of your team. I want you to be part of mine." And uh, and it, it's soon after that that I saw. It's a long story, and I'm tempted to go through it, but um, and then I saw Father Steve Matson's 
in uh, posting. And I remember coming here, and it was the first thing he said, like, uh, I want you to be part of my team. So there's like this like thing oh, yeah. in my, you know, my brain, like, okay, maybe this is what God wants. And it's interesting, um, when I moved from, from St. Mary's to Holy Redeemer, the same thing happened. I didn't even know it was an interview. Um, <laughs> I was having, you know, a, a, a just unclear about what the Lord wanted to do. And, and I had ended up talking to Dan Schmidt. We were in a men's group together. And and, he, and Father Steve Anderson called me. I'm thinking, oh, Daniel told Father Steve that Rafi's really confused and, and needs spiritual direction. So he <laughs> called me. I go, oh, sure. So I go and I meet with him thinking it's spiritual direction. And then toward the end of spiritual direction, you know, <laughs> in quotes, um, he goes, you know, you like, you like my team. And so, ding, the, the, the same thing. There like, is. huh. And he said, uh, we're a team. We're not, perf- we're not perfect. We're actually, all of us are broken, but we're a team. And then he says, then he offers me the job. I'm like, huh, it's, 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 a, it's a job. It was a job interview, which is, which is awesome. You know, that it's not like when you go to a, on a job interview, you're almost like it's, it's, it's artificial. A little mm-hmm. bit. So the two times that the two parishes have been here, they've been really interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, hiring processes. So. So what kind of things do you do at Holy Redeemer? So um, when I when I started at Holy Redeemer, uh, Father Steve hired me v- very specifically for evangelization. So um, he hired me to do Alpha because I was already doing that at, at St. Mary's. He hired me to look for a way to reach out to those who were not Catholic, which is kind of also part of Alpha. But mm-hmm. um, and uh, and. And they actually go door to door, like they, they have some sort of like an evangelization. So as he hired me as a director of evangelization. Two years after, um, we were trying to restructure, and and uh, our DRE had been giving other given other responsibilities. So Father Steve called me and said, <laughs> "This is how we do." This was his pitch. He was like, "You know, you do all the the feel good stuff, retreats, evangel. You see all the people giving their lives to Jesus. I'm going to give you something that's not so feel good." Um, I'd like you to be the DRE because it's, it's usually not, at least my impression of it. Like it's not feel good. You work with mm-hmm. kids and it's a lot of craft and whatnot. And I'm not crafty and what, <laughs> and he said, but the thing is, uh, we need to evangelize these kids. And that's yeah. been the problem. We try to teach them, but we don't, we don't evangelize them. So, so it just makes sense. Yeah, so, absolutely. So since then I've been the, I've we'd added an E to my, you know, D-R-E-E. So it's uh, edu- education and evangelization, which is re- should really nice. be the same thing. So yeah. I do I do retreats. I do alpha, which is a huge thing, really, uh, alpha retreats. And then the kids. But I run that like I'm evangelizing them too. It, it's actually kind of cool. I'm, you know, um, I think actually I've gotten to a point, Tony, where I might be cooler than you. Oh, boy. It's, it's you know, because the kids see me, so younger kids. So really when they get, when they're in their teens and they think you're old, I'm their buddy. Oh, wow. They go up to me. They high-five ah. me. I'm, you know, these are my buddies now. These, like, second, third, fourth graders, you know. Yep. We, we do uh, religious education on Zoom. And, like, Rafi, Rafi. They're, like, all excited to talk to me. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm cool. <laughs> See, you did get some feel-good things out of this. No, actually, it, it has been. Like, we just ran That's our... Awesome. Uh, for, um, so, again, cool thing. When Father Steve asked me to be DRE, he said, um, okay, if if we throw everything out the, the window, like there's no, you don't have to like, 
whatever textbook we're using, that's what you use, or just do you know whatever you know whatever you order from Oriental Trading, whatever. We just keep that order. If if that's not your job, if your job is you really want these kids to meet Jesus, what would you do? If you if you could just start from scratch, um, I said right away uh, retreat. That's where people normally meet Jesus. Yeah. Like at, at a retreat type of experience. So this past weekend, we just had our first, finally, after four years, we fi- finally had our first middle school retreat. So there's a lot of feel-good stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, so it's it's good. It's actually not what I thought. Yeah, no doubt. Like when you get that that moment where you see the, the light bulb go down in a kid's heart, Yeah. right? There's this, those moments where they're like, all right, I'm actually internalizing what you're saying i'm trying to figure out like who is this jesus guy and should he matter in my life and for them to see them wrestling with these questions for the first time and really saying this is real yeah it's such an amazing moment because sometimes they're not even invited to that they're not told that uh, they're told you know you do these things and you need to be able to to rattle off these things but to say you know this is real so um like one quick uh story my second year um we did because uh, we do adoration every every Sunday for it's ten minutes of adoration, but um, there's this one kid, young kid, like second, it was first grade then, and he was saying, "I don't believe in God." <laughs> first grader, saying, wow. "I don't believe in God." Yeesh. This is boring stuff, and he, you know, but but I'll be friends with him and I'll high five him, and he likes to help and whatnot, and talks about Pokemon, but um, <laughs> but then the last the last session. Uh, there weren't many kids, so I just there was enough time for me to invite the kids to come up to the altar. So we had the Eucharist on the altar, um, and I was playing music, so I could see the kids come up. But this 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 same kid came up, and I told him to just touch the altar, and then what whatever they wanted to say. And he closed his eyes, and I was looking at his face, and I'm like, this kid does not not believe in God. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's just the way it's presented to him. That it's dumb, and so so stuff like that. You you see those uh, you see those faces. You see um, you know kids talking about God. So it's it's there are feel good yeah. things about working with kids. Yeah, and I totally agree with you about the the retreat being like that moment. You know, in a in a in a class. You know, I've got so I've got freshmen and I've got eighth graders, and I got about fifty minutes with each. And in a 50-minute class, you know, they can kind of turn it on, put on airs, and do kind of the thing they need to do for 50 minutes. And then once they're out of my class, it's over. In a retreat, you can't really do that. You're there for, you know, an afternoon. You're there for a day. You're there for a weekend. And there's not really a place to hide at that point. And so you can just sit on your butt and try and push your way through it. But God's God's got so much more room in a retreat to to really reach you. There's this... uh Again, so um, we watch this. Uh, this is serious. It's evangelical, but it's uh, it's the the guy who who created um, uh, Veggie Tales. Okay. Phil Vischer. Have you have you seen it? Like, uh, what's in the Bible? What's in the Bible? So, no, I haven't so seen Phil Vischer, uh, um, for whatever you know, several different reasons, ended up selling uh, Veggie Tales to Disney. I think, <laughs> you know, because Disney owns everything. Sure. But, so, um, so he still helps with that, but. Then he, he started this new um, this new thing called Jelly Belly. He actually did the whole Bible, but wow. but he was talking about uh, the, the 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 crucifixion episode. Mm. Can you imagine 
creating that for kids. And he was explaining it had to be CGI and puppets and whatnot. But he said for that portion, um, you have to, to wait. He said there's a um, your, 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 your brain can understand things, but your heart needs to catch up. So you can say Jesus died for you, and that's good. But if you say Jesus died for you, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. He says, when you do that, mm. your heart catches up with what your brain hears, which is why you just can't say things. Yeah. Um, and that's what retreats do, because you, you let the heart catch up, because yes. there's time for it, and which is why it's, um, I keep telling my, my catechists, I don't even call them catechists anymore, because we're trying to minister to the kids. And I tell them, we, we try to use teaching principles, like you would in a, you know, a math class, and you teach religion like you would math, it doesn't work. Right. But if you teach religion like, you, like you're ministering, which is hard for like a 50-minute, hour-long session, mm-hmm. I mean, how much can you do? So like um, this past weekend, I was telling the catechist, and they were all like on board because all of them have a relationship with Jesus, which yeah. is what I have. I have an amazing catechist because they all, they all understand that language. Um, but uh, I was telling them, this retreat might might gain more ground the whole year, and and they weren't offended. Correct. They knew they knew that I wasn't talking about their skill as as catechists. It's that's how it works, and so just a lot of prayer involved, and just so hopefully we'll make a dent. Yeah, and it's it's all needed, right? They need to have that head knowledge which they get in the class, yeah. but then the retreat lets the heart catch up. I yeah. love that language. I love yeah. that. Yeah, that's so good. So uh, evangelization for the normal person. Um, so you're director of evangel- religious education and evangelization. So I imagine that's more than just kids, right? That's working with adults as well. Yes. Um, and so one of the things we love to do in this podcast is is to really encourage people in their faith, but also with evangelization, because that's such a major component of our faith. And I think that's something we've not done a great job in teaching uh, lately is how to evangelize. So uh, since I got you here, yeah. do you have any tips, uh, encouragements, and how to evangelize, especially in this time of COVID, which hopefully we're nearing the end of that and we can get back to close to normal life. But how yeah. do we, how do we evangelize in our normal life? How do we evangelize? How should we think maybe even of evangelization? Yeah. And obviously I can only share what I'm learning. Mm-hmm. Again, I was thinking it's so hard to be, oh, you're the director of evangelization. So it sounds you're, like you, you have know, all the knowledge, yeah. you know, everything. And you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but you have seen kind of like what works and it's, uh, it's so cool, like what God shows how it's, he uses a lot of agricultural language. Like, really, a farmer just knows the conditions. You can't make anything grow. But um, so evangelization, and so I was thinking about it because uh, I knew you'd, you'd ask about that. So what are the things that I'm learning mm-hmm. for evangelization? And something that you just said earlier, like hopefully, you know, we're in the back end of this pandemic and go back to normal. I wonder if, if God did part of the reason why God allowed all this is so that it wouldn't go back to normal. Oh, for sure. So I, wonder, I totally agree with that. So I wonder, uh, but so, um, uh, how do you say it? I was thinking about, man, there's so many things. Um, uh, one is, uh, so this morning I was thinking about the need to evangelize. I, like, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe the problem is we get stuck on the how-tos. Um, and so when something like the pandemic hits us, um, we get 
we get thrown off a little bit because we're we're stuck with the how to do it and whereas it's it's more maybe about knowing the goal what do you think like um uh uh one knowing that we are about evangelization i was, I was thinking about it when i actually drove part uh right before mass here and i was thinking of uh evangelio nunziandi oh <laughs> i told myself i wouldn't do that um evangelio nunziandi where uh where pope paul says um it's our deepest identity we, we can't not and, and i hear people i remember when i when i got the holy reading when i said i'm here to teach you to i'm not here to evangelize i'm here to teach you how to evangelize or to get you to evangelize and people are like, oh, no, we don't want to. We don't want to go around, like, knocking on doors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And see, they're fixated on that's how you evangelize. The sandwich sign and the megaphone. Yeah, yeah. So it's, but but first to accept that we're supposed to. Like, it's, uh, you know, that's what that's why Jesus came. And so that's why that's our deepest identity as a church. But then some, something you said earlier, um, but you can't, you can't just tell people to evangelize by telling them to evangelize. And uh, so you said earlier that you're, um, you were talking about the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it was it like a previous podcast or maybe, or maybe the previous segments about the Holy Spirit. Okay, yeah. the previous, yeah. And because um, um, you really can't, I don't, yeah, you can't evangelize, and uh, and a person cannot evangelize at least effectively. Um, it, it becomes fake. It becomes it it becomes self serving. It becomes about filling up the pew so that we can keep the church open, right. which is so self-serving and people can tell right away. And so um, apart from the Holy Spirit, um, and, and I think you were talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't know anyone who's not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And mind you, there's not one way. When I say baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not like, oh, they went through a Life in the Spirit seminar and somebody right. used the word baptism of the Holy Spirit and <laughs> prayed over them. Right. It's just people who are like, um, literally, like baptized, like immersed, um, and I've, I've I've met people. I, um, do you remember uh, one of the ladies at St. Mary's, Lori Corenta? Mm-hmm. I remember she was just filled with the Spirit, and I was yep. asking her, "Where did you get it? Where, did, like, what program did you go to?" And she 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 just remembers a time when she. Um, it seems to be you need to get a, a point of surrender, like you don't know anymore how to do it. Um, you're kind of broken, and then you you ask God just. Whatever that is, I, I just need you, and then you just you get flood. There's repentance, and then you and then you ask, and I think that's how. So, really, the only way to to get churches to evangelize is to get our people in the pew filled with the Spirit, and they can get filled with the Spirit. They can't get filled in the Spirit until they know they need, yeah, and then they ask. So, um, and that's kind of like basic, but I think when. You, it, it's that's that's hard to implement because that's not a program, right? But that's understanding it. But once once you get that, then the situations can change, and you'll still know, and then you'll know, you'll recognize the spirit. You can you can only evangelize with the Holy Spirit. So, um, and then the, what you were saying. So like this, how do we do it in the pandemic world? Um, and it's cool. I have a friend. Um, one of the cool things about this pandemic is it connected us with a lot of people who hadn't talked up you know to in a while and i i hadn't talked to the to, to my best man back <laughs> he's still in the philippines wow. i haven't talked to him in like in years and years and then through zoom through all this we just got together and we had and somebody actually interviewed us because we were all in ministry together like out of college that's where we were like friends mm-hmm. and somebody 
you know, kind of reminiscing and interviewed all of us. And he said something interesting. He said uh, COVID was like, and he talked about that, that story from scripture where um, it's post-resurrection and the apostles are, are, you know, they decide to go fishing and they're, and they're not catching anything again. And, nope. Um, seems to be like a common thing with <laughs> the scriptures. But, um, and then there's this stranger on the shore and says, throw the nets on the other side. And he said, I think I'm not blaming COVID on God or whatever. That, that you don't want to go down that road. But, right. but in the midst of all this, there's this stranger, because it's so strange, um, who says, who, why don't you throw the nets on the other side? And um, and I've seen that happen, like the things we've had to learn going online. Um, so we did our first alpha course online um, in the summer. And it was cool. And so we're doing our, our second one. It was cool. We did it last Wednesday. We had like 70 people, um, 68 people, 68 guests. Now there's more. I think there's like 74 people signed up. Like, um, And they're like from Florida and Alabama, oh, wow. a couple of people from the Philippines, a couple of people from Canada. I mean, these are people who you would never have been able to invite to yeah uh to something and they're there um people who uh, maybe maybe because it is screens i mean we just need to accept that the screens are a part of life you punk kids your generation <laughs> i mean it's there to stay right and, and yep. people will say um you know it's it's from the devil and and throw it away but it's there and and, and most people live on their screens and so mm -hmm. it's kind of maybe it's forcing us so and, and, and we had, like, amazing things happen at our Alpha course, like people encountering the Lord. Like, if you, if you go to our, our, our Facebook page, go to our, we have an Alpha Holy Redeemer Facebook page, and we have the videos there. One of the guys is saying, I don't know how that can happen. How can you be healed 2,000 miles away over, like, a screen? I mean, like, it's, so it's just, it's just interesting. So I guess just being willing to, like, we were talking earlier before we actually, you know, uh, Press the record button, which I guess is my generation's way of saying it. whatever you click. <laughs> the digital record button. Yeah. Yes. Um, to be able to just ask, I think if we just keep asking, how do we? The, the aim is they meet Jesus. It's not. Um, it's not how. It's not what we use. It's not. You know, we've always had a committee, or we've always had this thing. It's. A, it's just a, what will get people to meet Jesus. Um, by the Holy Spirit, and so, yeah, yeah so it, it still works. I think if to maybe connect a previous point, um, an easy, uh, maybe a simplified way to say that would be, we just need to be on God's team. Yeah, we can't kind of put our program together and our because we, you know, I'd love to have a program put together that like works 100% of the time and like all you gotta do is just do these 12 weeks and boom, you'll come out uh, a disciple on the other side. Yeah doesn't exist and yeah. so we can't we can't you know get god's blessing for our work we need to be on god's team yeah i suddenly had this image while you were saying that can you imagine like i mean a really good you know basketball player would say comes to the you know court and shows this like thing to the coach coach this is what i want to do mm -hmm. right because <laughs> i can do this and the coach is like well yeah but i he knows all the other players and like you know a good coach mm -hmm. would would know it and so yeah let 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 God do it and and see. Um, so that requires us 
to be open to yeah. whatever God is asking us to do. If that means move to Virginia or even Ohio, God The forbid. best, isn't that your favorite place? Um, <laughs> negative. No, um, yeah, he tells you, he tells you what to do and, and where to go and. Yeah, that openness. It's hard though to be open, especially um, especially for those. If there's anyone who's listening that's already like in professional ministry uh, to this podcast, I think sometimes that becomes a problem. I think it, when you've experienced success, then you hold on to, to yeah. that method, and so it's hard. It's harder for us because you're like you're the expert already. So just like this, um, yeah, just an openness, uh, and it feels like. The Holy Spirit is constantly changing, and we constantly have to adapt and change what we're doing, yeah. and and everything. It's just always fluid. It's never, you know, there's never that one thing that's just going to work always. Yeah. I remember Father Steve Madsen saying something like, uh, "I think it was my first or first or second year at um, at, at St. Mary's. Uh, the reason why I got involved in the Newman Center is so I was going there, and, and we were planning stuff, you know, with you, and and I remember saying, "Is that all right? Can I?" I don't know how to justify being there. I mean, you hired me, you know. And then he said, well, no, if that's where the Holy Spirit is working, then that's where you should go. I think that's what you're saying. Like, yeah. that's, how, that's how you know, I guess, that you're, you're on God's team. This, the Spirit is showing this. Mm-hmm. And, and there has to be humility to it. I think if, if there's no one, if no one has authority over you to say, no, this is what you need to be doing, if you're just the, your own boss... Then it's, it becomes hard to discern, but right. you see where the spirit's moving, and um, you know, and and again, to, to keep asking. So a cool thing, and uh, you have to ex- ex- um, ex- excuse me for being for talking about. And one of my favorite things is Alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just discovered it, oh, and big one fan of the f- one of the first thing that works for me. I guess Alpha is like a. I don't play golf, but if you have your favorite golf club or if your favorite tool, whatever whatever analogy you want to use, it seems to be a tool that really works. For me, but I remember, um, so we ran Alpha at Holy Redeemer, and it went well, and um, uh, we were about to stop, because we had gone from, our first course was like, well, Father Steve said everyone should go, should go on, and so our first course, I think, we had like, we had three nights with like 150 people each night, so about wow. 400 people went through Alpha, so that was amazing, and we did the following year, and there was like 40 people each course, and we went down to like I think there was one course with like eight people, and I was thinking I think we're done, you know, and and then we went to an alpha conference, and and I remember reading a book and, and meeting someone who was there and was saying no no that's exactly when, when you're supposed to, to keep going, and so it's hard because again mm. when you try to discern the fruit I'm like well there's like eight people, so maybe we shouldn't and they said you know just keep going because. It, get, it needs to get to a point where you've saturated your parish so there's no one else to invite ah, apart from outside. Right, which is the point. Which is the point. Um, where, where now your prisoners are learning. They've had enough of a... Like I said, you can't evangelize apart from the Holy Spirit. So if you have enough people who've experienced the Holy Spirit and it's not anymore about, I want to fix you, you're my project, I want to change your life, it's you need to meet this guy because I met him. So this guy is mm-hmm. real. I've, I've learned about it, but I, I just... Re- learn discover that he's real by the holy spirit i can actually meet jesus and and it's it's funny because that 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 spring uh 
I remember because I was trying to be creative about evangelizing. So I talked to the owner of Tia Halidas, who's a who's a parishioner at Holy Redeemer. I said, if if we do Alpha there, it's a smaller venue. So if we have three tables, it doesn't look bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started to, to invite people, and we started to get these names. I used to know again. I knew almost everyone. Like I could look people, you know, in our directory, and we were getting these names that I didn't recognize. Like who's in, who's inviting these people? And um, and uh, I remember we got to like thirty people, and and I was calling up the the owners of Tia Halidas. I was saying, Monica, uh, can we add a few more tables? How how do we do this? And it just went over it and. We couldn't figure out how, and we ended up having like thirteen tables. I think. Wow. That 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 course, and again, where the fruit is, where the, and and it, and I don't even know how the people started showing up. The same thing happened last Wednesday for our alpha. Like I'm looking at the list of people. Like who invited you? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. So you kind of discern where the fruit is, the fruit is, and then go there. Yeah. Then you're following the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Invitational culture is a big piece of that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Just we, we have to get used to just inviting, right? Because yeah. that's what God does to us, right? It's yeah. just a constant invitation in our own hearts. Hey, draw closer to me. Hey, give up this thing that's keeping you from me. Yeah. And just a constant invitation. So we do the same thing for others. Hey, you should check this out. Hey, I want to invite you to this. I want to invite you to this. And then to be open that it's... Uh Again, I keep thinking of like being stuck to inviting you to my thing, but it's the right. Lord will bring the people and, right. and, the, and the program. And so, so really, what are we talking about now? We don't really know. But no, I mean, that's we don't of, know what we don't know. What we just welcome we, to we, evangelization. Yeah, you, which is a cool thing because yeah. then it's it's his team. So we don't need to know the, 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 the play. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to know our part. So, what we're saying is that as long as you know the person, as long as you know the Holy Spirit and we ask, then He will show us where to go. Yep. And so even if it is like, oh, Rafi, can you be the DRM? Like, the Holy Spirit isn't in CCD. <laughs> Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Like, if the Holy Spirit is leading you to, you know. Do you want to help bring the Holy Spirit there? Yeah, there's this movie. So um, have you watched the St. Philip Neri movie? It's one of those Italian I think I did a while ago. Yeah, so it's cool. It's a two-part thing. It's, so it's in Italian. We actually watched it in Italian. It's better oh, than wow. it's better than the subtitles. Uh, it's better than the dub the, yeah. the dubbed version because it because they get I don't know. It's just better to just read it, and it, it impacted packs so much. My son, that's in your class, um, uh, that he chose Saint Philip Neri as his confirmation oh, saint. Nice. But but like his story is like he wanted to go on mission to to India with. Uh, um, St. Ignatius and but that wasn't God's plan mm-hmm. like he wanted he kept, he kept applying to go and finally when, when he was allowed to go he realized that his ministry had been in Rome the whole time like so I just pray for that grace it, so, and I was praying that today at Mass like Jesus just let me know may I never stop listening to you and right. um, and the cool thing is that I'm 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 not strong enough to keep to keep myself from not hearing God. If he wants to if he wants to, uh, me to do something, he'll he'll say it. <laughs> what a great place <laughs> to be, right? Yeah, so he'll say it. So he's 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 that if he really wants it, he'll let you know. So we just need to pray for the grace to be open. 
So maybe uh, a semi-related question there then. How can you know that it's God's voice? What are the, what are the trademarks or what are those, those things that you know that when you hear it, this is God and not just my own voice in my own head? Good. So when you know the answer. <laughs> so I, I think I, I usually think the answer is peace. Yeah. I think God always puts like that mark of peace on whatever he says. Yeah. And that is how we know it's from him because I can't make myself peaceful. Yeah. Um, if I knew I'd sell a bazillion books about how to make yourself peaceful. Like yeah. You can't do it. The world certainly can't do it. The evil one can't fake it. Yeah. Only God so can really bring that peace. And I think there's several things, right? I mean, obviously there's like, there's some of the, the, the quick answers like, well, if it's against church teaching, well, I know sure. it's not. Yeah. If it's, if he's asking me to, to leave my wife to go on mission, that's not the Lord right. speaking. Or Correct. he wants me to commit murder. To, to, so at least that, that whole side of the, the thing is, I, I like what you're saying about peace, but I also like, um, I think if you have other people Correct. looking, so like, um, again, back to the, the, the gospel passage I was referring to earlier when they saw Jesus, um, John looks at the others and say, I think it's the Lord. So he's like, you know, it's almost like, uh, if you have not everyone, cause everyone will give their opinion, but there's people that, you know, know the Lord and you can say, it seems like the Lord, is it the Lord? And, and if there's like these two or three people that, you know, like spiritual um, comrades, mentors, uh, spiritual directors and go, I think it's the Lord. Then it that helps you. Oh, for know. sure. But obviously, and, and they'll probably ask you about the peace. <laughs> like, yeah. are you peaceful about it? Is it is it motivated out of love? Um, a big part for me as a as a lay married person is my wife, um, who I know prays and um We've been burnt enough, like in the past, like doing my own thing. So at a certain point, um, I think it, we were in Virginia when we decided, well, God God made us one. So we'll only move forward if both of us have that peace. I can't say I have peace, but if the other one says, not, not sure yet. And so that's like a built-in thing for me at least. And it's it's been it's been cool to do yeah. that, that uh, to serve with Josette and where she'll say, yeah, that, um, that let's, let's take another step. I'm not sure either, but let's take another step. And, um, it's been a good ride so far. Mm. It's been, it's been, actually, it's been almost eerily since we've done that, you know, the move here, it's almost, I almost want to say it's a hundred percent batting average, just like nice. when we both, when we both do that. But I, I guess that happens. So even if you're like, you don't have to be married, you, you have those people mm-hmm. in your life that, you exactly. know, exactly pray and so you're like you know i can fool myself so is this the lord so mm-hmm. we've, we've been talking about discerning but in the end it's your prayer life that's right um yeah. the interior life right the yep. time the time to pray so let's keep like really soaking in the lord and listening to god and listening to what he wants to say because we're actually used to being in his presence and so we recognize his voice amen Thanks for joining us. Um, Thank you for inviting me. 